Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Project Transition's Transition Points. I'm Brandon. I'm one of the marketing specialists here at Project Transition. I'm here with the great Andy Grossman and Ernie Waters. How are you doing, guys? Great. Thank you. Really well. Thanks, Brandon. So uh, Andy and uh, Ernie, you guys are the front runners of the new trauma empowerment uh, initiative at Project Transition, correct? Yes, and honored to do so. And uh, trauma empowerment is basically your brainchild, correct, Ernie? Yes, it is. Yes. So yeah, something that's been developing probably last 25, 30 years, Brandon. 25 to 30 years. Right. That is longer than I've been alive. Uh, so <laughs> that is, how does one like just start developing a whole way of, uh, of strategy like this? So it did, it did start 1997. I started doing leadership training for our local SWAT team uh, with the police service. And uh, it was during that time that uh, after three years of training with them, they asked me to be their first ever in the 100-year uh, service. I was their first ever police chaplain. Wow. And so it was during that entry point uh, with the police service that I actually got exposed to trauma. And it was really at an international conference where 1,000 chaplains from all over the world met in California for a training week. And it was there that I got exposed to trauma in a way that really shocked me, actually. I uh, And I think even to this day, Brandon, many people don't know this, but the, the part that got me engaged was uh, they said at the conference, did you know that every year uh, in North America, hundreds of officers take their lives and it, it turned out to be one a day. One so a day. One officer a day was taking his or her life uh, and I go, that's shocking. Mm -hmm. Like, why is this happening? So initially, like initially I was shocked. And of course the numbers are getting worse, right? So today, uh, as well as one officer a day in North America, two EMS staff, uh, are taking their lives daily. We have one physician in North America taking his or her life. But, uh, as you, you know, get towards the military again, shocking, it's one an hour. Wow. And globally now, suicide uh, for you and I as commoners is every 20 seconds, Brandon, in, in every in the 20 world. seconds, every 20 seconds of this podcast, somebody's, you know, taking their life. And so for me, and this is where, you know, I have an engineering degree as an undergraduate degree. I said, OK, well, uh, if you have a problem in engineering, if you can't find a solution readily available, then you design one. And that's really what got me started in this 25 uh, the 30-year research project was uh, after five years of a deep study on the history of psychiatry, psychology, and and world religions, I couldn't see a clear pathway. So that got me started. Say, okay, I got to find a way. Yeah, I really like that because I was in the military before I went to college, and they always say uh, if you can't if you can't find your way through, make your own way through. Uh, so that's essentially what you did there. Correct. Wow. So what was like the early beginnings of trauma empowerment like for you? Like, when did you know that you were on to something? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, in 2006 is when I actually came up with the model. So after five years of research uh, and designing a model. So just to give a little backdrop on that, there are present day 700 different psychotherapies, Brandon. Wow. 700, right? So I'm saying, okay, why 700? And, you know, to answer that question is, you know, there are so many different routes and there's so many different philosophies that are people coming up with. And I'm saying from an engineering standpoint, uh, 
it can't be that complex. Mm. Like there's got to be five steps. And that's kind of what I came up with was five steps that uses a number of different modalities uh, combined. So uh, to me, that's where uh, in the early years, getting the response to answer your question was, I was seeing a physical response when people would release trauma. So that that's the emphasis of trauma empowerment is to give people the ability to access what they've already been given. So in other words, the body, the brain, the mind, the soul, the spirit are all parts of a person. And we actually have access to every one of those realms. And the fact that we haven't been able to exercise that or to utilize our capacity is what trauma empowerment is. So everybody's got the the ability and the capacity to do it. It's just the absence of training. So the whole concept of trauma empowerment is training people to resolve trauma and put them in an offensive position instead of a defensive position, which is the word empowerment. So that's that's really, I'd say 2006 is when I, I had the first aha moment. Yeah. 2006 was your first aha moment. Like for me, uh, in terms of trauma, so coming from the military, you like I had it's a substantial trauma that's there, right? Um, for me, uh, I tend to just internalize things until they become an ulcer. Uh, it's a, it's a real issue, and I'm, and I'm working on it, you know. But if I would have known more about trauma empowerment uh, before this, or if even if I had a chaplain in the military that was willing to talk about certain things like this, then I, I could say that you're, you're one veteran or one military uh, person, an hour that you're saying would have gone down drastically, you know? Correct. And it's just a shame. 100%. And, that's, and I have to say that the emergency services sector, so I wrote a book uh, about probably 10 years ago now, which I have not published, Brandon. And the reason for that was I just knew that the book at the time wasn't enough and it wasn't really uh, ready to be you know, distributed uh, in a broader scale. And so uh, with that, you know, I dedicated the book actually to all the emergency services sectors, right? Because here are all these emergency services daily going out there and serving us as the general public faithfully laying down their lives and who's protecting them who's serving them who's helping them with the issues that they're facing and that really became my heart was i want to go out and try and make a difference and to save the lives and to reduce the numbers that are taking their lives so the suicide thing became my focus is how can we stop that from happening? And that, so the, the book was dedicated at the time and I'm sure I'll still dedicate it. Uh, so I'm currently trying to get this book out now, uh, but it was just really last summer, to be honest, was when I felt that, okay, I think the model and the program is complete and holistic enough and ready for distribution, which is really the key point with Project Transition. So Project Transition, uh, I was introduced to them last year uh, through Les Posnikoff, who's a consultant with them. Uh, and so last summer was the first time I was actually ready to actually take it on a broader scale. Wow. So before that, uh, you said it's just on a smaller scale before, right? Just a lot of research, uh, research, uh, independent researching groups. Yeah. So, so for myself, uh, so I've now been in 35 different industry sectors using the model, right? And I've 
now served every emergency service sector with the exception of the Coast Guard. So uh, military, fire, police, ambulance, 911, remand, search and rescue are the seven areas that I've worked in and emergency services kind of on the front lines. And so, um, yeah, so I've I've done the research the last two years have been even a further dive on the credibility and the research part. So as an engineer, uh, when I went through the process, I wanted to make sure that this process met the criteria of a science. Mm. So there's five criteria that you need to meet. And one is, uh, can you measure it? Can you reproduce it? Right. Um, can you draw conclusions from the process? Right. Can you predict what's going to happen? Do you have uh, clear terminology? And so those are the five criteria and this process meets it. So I can predict what's going to happen, you know, within a realm. And I do have the statistics. So over the last two years, I've been very intentional about gathering the data and was able to actually present to Project Transition the data before I came, saying that here's what typically happens. And so, of course, that's what we're doing here now is, is continuing to measure that and to make sure that, you know, we're doing everything possible to show progress, which is an important part of seven essential psychological needs that every individual has. And so that's uh, that's part of the process. You're really blowing my mind right now. It's like it's almost like I'm sitting in like a chem lab, the way you were talking about that. So essentially you took like a, a chem lab experiment and research exercise and turn it into a, a way to help others. Correct. Wow. Um, and that's that's the, that's like what when did you know that this is like something that you wanted to do for like for your life? When did you know that like, hey, I want to help others get themselves better? I'd say, you know, that right during the 2001, when I got asked to be the chaplain and then getting exposed to the stats, I'd have to say that it was a defining moment for sure, because it's almost like I can't let it go. So my my passion is in the area of leadership development. And in the area of leadership development, I have it's called Seven Edge for a reason. And the seven edges are like, I wanted to build a champion. So how do I help Brandon become a champion in whatever purpose he has for his life? And so again, using kind of my engineering mind, I said, well, there's gotta be a strategy behind this. So I came up with a seven step strategy, which is now called seven edge. Uh, and it's integral to this whole trauma piece. But the, the seven areas are physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual are four of the categories then you have to have the right team so team edge and then obviously you have to have the right strategy so strategic edge and then management uh, edge which is you know structures and systems so if i take that seven edge approach i can help brandon reach his full potential so the weak link in that whole program was the fact that you know what happens when um a person has trauma so I, I kind of cornered that off into the emotional edge. And so that became the weak link. And I very quickly realized that the weak link on everybody's development, Brandon, is the fact that we don't know how to resolve life issues mm. and ultimately trauma. And I think the other thing that, you know, really kind of opened my eyes back in the early 2000s was I already knew then everybody has trauma 
which is just recently becoming an awareness to the general public. So I've known for 20 years, everybody's got it. Everybody tends to, when I, like if I still run a seminar today, you know, to come resolve your trauma, nobody shows up because, mm. <laughs> oh, I don't have trauma. That's a military yeah. thing. That's a 9-11 problem. That's like, they don't think they have trauma, but you know, as we talk, you know, I, everybody has trauma. And so now, now it's starting to leak out in a broader way. And so, so I'd say, you know, it was during the early 2000s, Brandon, when I felt like, okay, I'm onto something. Like, I can't believe that it's this time in history and we don't have a solution to this. Like that, that was shocking. So I'd say 2001 to 2005 is where I really got dug in and now I couldn't leave it. So even though I'm consulting to all these different sectors, uh, the other thing that became evident was I'd go into a large corporation. So we're talking hundred million dollar corporation. I'm, you know, consulting to the CEO. I'm helping build their culture. And where am I spending my time? Almost 80% of my time was helping people resolve their trauma. <laughs> and so I'd show up, going to do a leadership training day with a department. And they say, well, not today. Um, so-and-so's, you know, family yesterday experienced a suicide. Uh, we need you to go deal with them. I said, okay. So, wow. so Andy, you are leading from the front here at Project Transition when it comes to the rollout of trauma empowerment, right? So when did you get uh, connected with Ernie and how did you know, like, wow, like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is, uh, this is what we need. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? So at Project Transition, it actually started in my interview with Paul and with Luke. Um, I asked them quite a bit about what do we do in terms of trauma. And they both said pretty firmly that we're trauma-informed. And I said, that's great. We need to be you know, certifiably certified in trauma-informed. And they talked on and off the past five and a half years about that. Um, as I was here over the past five and a half years, I learned we're trauma-aware, like Ernie said, more and more organizations are becoming aware of the impact of trauma. The fact that 70% of the general population, by the time they're an adult, has experienced at least one trauma. Mm -hmm. And for the folks that we serve, folks who have been inpatient, at least 91% have experienced multiple traumas. So by the time we get them, they've had some pretty significant traumas in their life. And I really felt we needed to address that. So Without knowing each other, Ernie and I were kindred spirits on a journey of understanding the impact of trauma, but I didn't have a solution other than the more we know and the more informed we are, the more we run our business through the lens of trauma-informed, the better we can serve the folks that we work with. So about two years ago, I started working with Les Posnikoff and talked to him about that because he was asking different aspects of PT. And as I told him, we need to be trauma-informed. We need to really work on trauma. He kept taking notes and smiling and nodding at me. And then one day he said to me, you're going to love this, but I've got a guy. Like, we all have a guy, right? Yeah. I didn't realize that the guy that he has is actually cutting edge and making waves in the trauma industry, not only in becoming aware or informed, but actually teaching people how to escape from and, and relieve themselves from the symptoms and the the chaos that trauma brings mm -hmm. so um Les introduced us and we talked i spent a day with him on teams where we talked a lot about his methodology a lot about what he did went back to luke and the leadership team with my thoughts about what he was doing i was blown away 
I literally felt, I think you mentioned earlier, like a chemistry class. Yeah. I felt like I had taken an entire grad school class, a semester long class in that day where Ernie just went through the history of psychology and psychiatry all the way to what he's doing now and some of the, some of the gaps in history and some of the things he's filled in with the work that he's doing. So when we met probably about a year ago, maybe or seven months ago, somewhere in that range, um, I really bought in hook, line and sinker. Everything he said made sense. Mm. Um, I then got the privilege and the luxury of spending a week with him at his home in Canada, where he put me through the process of being, you know, learning trauma empowerment and using it to help myself in terms of any past traumas that I might have had. And I came out of that trip. I mean, Ernie can can tell you more than I can the visual of when I was released from that trauma. But I can tell you that very night that we did the work together, the first night, I slept through the night for the first time in probably 15 years. Wow. Incredibly impactful. Absolutely. And, and he gets that experience with almost every single person he works with. So, and he can talk more about this again, but as he's working with somebody, you can just see the moments where the release happens and the person just feels like they've taken a backpack full of rocks off their back and they feel free. They feel alive. They feel energized. It's just an incredible experience. Wow. So with trauma empowerment, it's basically something that we're with the rollout. We want everybody in project transition and PCS to be trauma empowered. Correct. We're all going to learn the process. We're not all going to go through the whole experience um, necessarily, but it's available to those who need it. And by us doing it and believing in it and experiencing it, I mean, how do you sell something and how do you promote something you don't believe in, right? Absolutely. So today we're sitting here training the clinicians um, and a nurse and a, pro and a program director on the experience and giving them their own gift of going through this process. So Ernie's here today. We're working with the clinicians a couple of weeks ago into the PDs and the regionals. We did senior leadership a few weeks prior to that. So you're going to see more and more of <clears throat> trauma empowerment woven into the stuff that we do across the board. Wow. It's it's a beautiful thing when a company is willing to take on something new, something fresh, you know, and really use it to implement widespread change across the entire environment, you know, because it start, started with Ernie, right? Then it went to you, Andy. Now it's at Project Transition slash PCS. And imagine where it's going to go after that. You know, it's all it takes. Like Luke always says, is all it takes is one, right? He had his, uh, Dr. Crabtree had Mark. And look where we are now from Mark. Uh, all it takes is one to make it make a huge difference. So, wow. Like, just thinking about it, it's so amazing, you know, and uh, I'm getting, I'm, I'm fanboying so hard over it. But like, I'm really, I'm really connecting with this right now. Um, so you gotta, you gotta just bear with me. So Ernie, when you were putting the whole thing together, did you find it as a as a clinical traumatologist yourself? Uh, did you find putting the uh, the process of trauma empowerment together as cathartic for you? Like, did it help you get through your own trauma yourself? Hundred percent. And I'd say that you know it's one thing I I share with uh, participants is in my own life I've had a lot of trauma. In fact, my current situation I say to people is many have heard of. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, there's no P in my situation. It's traumatic stress disorder, right? Because uh, my son, Everett, who's 31, uh, unfortunately was born with uh, multiple seizure disorder. And uh, when he was four years old, uh, he had a, 
a seizure that went right to his brainstem and it actually, he was dead medically. Wow. So my wife is holding my little boy on the side of the road. And because I was well known by the paramedics and the police officers, they, they kind of saw that he was lifeless and, you know, different shades of blue and they did not even attend. And at that moment, my wife just said a prayer, said, Lord, you know, I, I know he's yours, but if it's your will, I'd sure like to keep him for a while. And then he started to breathe. Wow. So since that time, my wife and I and my family, so I have two daughters as well that are younger than Everett. We've lived with trauma after trauma after trauma for my poor son, which, to be honest, has not only challenged me and pushed me to new levels of understanding trauma, but also how to care for people that are traumatized, how to work through my own trauma as a result of it. So it's been very cathartic, very self, you know, um, I'd say therapeutic because of the work. And in fact, some of the significant turning points uh, within the model itself, Brandon, were creations that I had to come up with because of my own trauma and my own mental and medical health issues. So I was at a state in 2006 where it didn't look like I had much time to live. Uh, and it was the result of an unresolved trauma. Uh, and this is one of the bold statements I say is the majority of illness and disease, including mental illness, is my belief, the direct result of unresolved trauma. So therefore, my second bold statement is, therefore, the number one antidote has to be the ability to release that trauma. And I believe that because of my own crisis. So in 2006, long story short, it was a it was a trauma within the corporate world as a consultant. And I was activated. So I was in the fight, flight, freeze component of it. And as a result of that, I couldn't resolve it. So I had a diagnosed autoimmune disorder, irritable bowel syndrome, and my pulmonary function test said I had uh, the lungs of a 75-year-old. Now I'm in my early 30s, Brandon, at the time. And I'm going down fast. I have three young kids. My wife's at home thinking, man, I don't think my husband's going to make it. You know, I've got spots on my lungs, like, which indicates cancer. But long story short is it was unresolved trauma. So it was at that moment, I came up with this diagram, which is significant to the release of trauma is the ability to release. And it came, it comes down to the soul. And that diagram was a direct result, which is pivotal to releasing trauma. But yet that's not talked about in therapy. We don't talk about the soul. No. And so 100% of this journey has helped Ernie, because here's the good news, is that when we help people uh, resolve their trauma, their autonomic nervous system shuts off through the process, their body comes to rest, and therefore that's the best place and environment for it to heal. So I can declare today, I do not have an autoimmune disorder. I do not have irritable bowel disease. Uh, and I get checked every year. And it's because of this process that I was able to release the trauma that I no longer have those diseases, which is amazing. So 100% I've benefited from it. <laughs> so in the beginning of the, of the podcast, I had said that I tend to internalize my, my, uh, trauma and stress until it becomes an ulcer. So that's a real thing then. That's, it's a real thing. Wow. I, I, I never thought about it that way, you know, and like those, those 
those nights that like where you can't sleep or like um as of recently i had like a really sh- like stressful couple couple weeks at certain things um and there was hardly any sleeping going on at home uh uh i had these really bad headaches and uh just right. my stomach i i didn't think is that brought on by trauma and stress you know so, correct and wow. so part part of the trauma empowered part is not only showing you the facts behind that so the average person has anywhere from 15 to 35 unresolved traumas, Brandon. And so within that, there's a couple of other measurements. One is a person will have on average six to eight unanswered questions. I call them prevailing thoughts associated with those traumas. But here's the here's the relevant piece. The average person will have 15 to about 40 symptoms in five categories. So physical, behavioral, emotional, cognitive and spiritual are the categories in total there's 82 symptoms so the average person has 15 to 40 per trauma so let's just do the math real simple math <laughs> let's take 10 traumas times 40 that's uh, 400 uh, symptoms so you, you're saying that every person has around 400 traumatic instances in their entire lifetime actually no what i was saying there brandon was uh average person has anywhere from 15 to 35 unresolved traumatic events. Now in that group, they probably have four or five pretty serious things, maybe 10 or so not so serious, but, and then you've got about maybe 20 that are, you know, uh, still events, but unresolved. And as a result of that, um, there's symptoms. Like, what do you do with an unresolved trauma? Like, well, you mentioned, Ernie, I just suppress things. Okay, well, suppressing right, means that somewhere in Brandon's story, he was somehow led to believe that he's not supposed to express things. And this is where anxiety comes from. This is where all the cousins come from, i.e. depression and all the other things. And But we were actually designed to be in community, right? We were designed to process. So somewhere we, you know, by default, right, we ended up not doing that. And this is where you know, we talk about illness and disease. So for myself, I'm also a suppressor. And there are are only two types, there's expressive or suppressive. So it's Mm -hmm. one or the other. And it's not that one's better than the other. The fact is, is that if we don't process our emotions, and this is actually a great quote, and it comes from Oprah, who, by the way, Oprah has done a tremendous job of bringing trauma to the forefront. And she recently wrote a book with Dr. Perry called What Happened to You? Excellent book. Um, and But in there, she quotes one of her guests. And the guest said this, if you don't deal with the trauma in your life, it will bleed out in other areas of your life. Wow. And I've seen it literally hundreds and if even thousands of times, Brandon, because it's true for my own life. Like I, if I don't deal with it, it shows up. And now I have the ability to deal with it, you know, and so that's where my health has been restored. And I, I have a lot of people, like I've had a lot of people come with what people would say are uncurable diseases, like fibromyalgia, lupus, autoimmune disorder, treatment-resistant depression, uh, bipolar, um, general anxiety disorder. Like I've had pretty much everybody with different diagnosis come and through this process, they've been restored, right? right? Like, and it's it's because they were able to release the trauma. And it's really the autonomic nervous system is the key 
if you can shut that off, which we can through this process, and it's through the process that it shuts off automatically because what a person needs to do is to be able to understand the reason for the trauma. They need to be able to relate and validate their emotion. And then it's through that process that they will self-regulate. And so that's that's the key to the whole thing. So the symptoms is just to help you understand. So in the psychiatric world, they have what's called the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Health. Mm-hmm. So there's all these diagnoses there, right? And I'm saying I could simply make that book into one page by saying unresolved trauma, the majority of it. And it's true. So if you can release your trauma, you can restore your life, you know? And I think that that to me is the gift that we want to give everybody. Andy talked about that and it is the greatest gift you can give a person. And that's why, you know, people often say, Ernie, how do you spend 12, 14, 16, 18 hours with a person in a day? I said, it never gets dull because when you can help a person reclaim their life, save their life and restore their family that's the single greatest gift you can give a person, you know, so it's energizing. And so that's, that's what I'm excited about at PT is we want to help these people, but we also want to make sure we take care of our staff and we take care of their families as well as our members. I I just wrote that down. If you can release your trauma, you can restore your life. I, I wrote that down. Uh, so I, I really, really, really like that quote. Um, Andy, can you see the way that you're the way you deal with trauma have changed since coming in contact with Ernie? It definitely has. Um, one of the things that you go through with trauma environment is he teaches you about four quadrants mm-hmm. of being aware and knowing. And rather than giving a whole lesson on that now, what it really talks about, just in a nutshell, is a lot of people are what's considered quadrant one, where they're unknowing and unaware. They don't know something and they're unaware it's even there. Right. If you can put somebody in quadrant one for the harm they've done to you, if you can understand that they were doing it because they didn't know differently or didn't know better, or they were unaware of what the impact of their behavior was, it's much easier to forgive them for what they've done to you. Um, an example I'll give you is there was somebody who hurt me um, as a kid in school, uh, a peer, acting in a way that wasn't kind. And that was the trauma that I unpacked and, and worked through with Ernie. And I challenged Ernie quite a bit because I said, no, I'm pretty sure he knew what he was doing. And as we went through the process and and Ernie kind of opened my eyes a little bit, he may have been aware of what he was doing in that moment, but he wasn't aware of what the impact that would have later in my life, potentially. He wasn't aware that this was a long-acting problem or a long-lasting issue. He was just managing his own hurt and pain. Like when you're bullied and hurt at home or in a different light and you lose control, there's a need to want to take control. Hmm. So him trying to take control in the only way he knew how was by being unkind towards me. He was doing it not to be cruel, but to take control and have some some semblance of, of life of his own, right? Yeah. So in, in hearing that and thinking and processing and going through the work of releasing myself from that trauma and understanding the genesis of it, I was not only able to forgive that kid, but I felt bad for that kid. And I my heart felt for him. Because not only was he doing it because, you know, he was hurting, but he didn't know any better. And I'm sure now if you were to reach out to him this many years later and say, hey, do you know the behaviors you exhibited towards Andy Grossman back in the day? 
might have still had some lingering impact underneath the surface that came up every so often. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I had no, I wasn't looking to do that. I was just looking to take control and feel better about myself. So for me, it was not only forgiveness, like I said, but it was to look with sympathy and empathy towards this person and compassion. And this this is how powerful this is, right? You know, if you would have told me that kid's name prior to my time with Ernie, I'd have a really sad and negative and mean taste in my mouth. But now it's more sadness. It's more, I really hope he's okay. I hope he got the help he needed so he's not still struggling. Because if he is, he's hurting quite a bit and that's just not fair to him. So in a way, it's teaching us to connect and see it from a different level instead of putting the blame on the person that was giving you trauma. It's it's much more understanding of what the reason is behind the behaviors, right? Yeah. And and understanding that it wasn't meant in the way that we may have perceived it. Mm. It was meant as a coping mechanism for them or as meant as an unknowing thing that he had no idea what the impact was going to be. Mm. He He wasn't being a jerk. He was surviving. And that was unfortunately the only way he knew how to survive in that moment. Um, and I, I hope he forgives himself too, honestly. Wow. So that's a, I'm really thinking of all these things that I went through as a kid now. Uh, and so uh, I, I'd love to connect with you more, Ernie, on this because this is really like great stuff. I've written down so much stuff during this. It's not even funny. Um, and when I'm when I'm going through the podcast, I know like editing it and all that, I know it's going to be a really great experience too. So I'm really thankful we were able to do this. So talking big picture, right? Uh, where do you want to see trauma empowerment go? Five, 10, 15 years. My heart is uh, I'd love to train 10 million leaders uh, to be able to do this around the globe. I feel it's the number one antidote that's available. It's it's non-invasive. It's also like there's no prescriptions or medication, even though at times that's required. Uh, but so I, I would love to be able to work with organizations like Project Transition. Like I'm obviously very loyal to PT because they're the first one that put their hand up. So I'll always be with PT as long as they'll have me. Uh, but my goal is to reach the world you know, with the process. And so, you know, and I've already I've like recently had a number of other people engage me on different things that are happening in the world. And um, one is the the war in U Ukraine. So I've been in contact. Uh, they've reached out to me to say, Ernie, could you come and help the soldiers and their families? And so that's an opportunity. Uh, the indigenous groups that are, you know, struggling, like we're all struggling, but I've had them approach too to find uh, is there a way that we can bring trauma empowerment to to those groups so i i believe it's starting to to ignite you know an opportunity there but that's my the long-term vision is to train up 10 million leaders and to just give hope to the world because uh, as i mentioned earlier you know the suicide rates up 120 percent since 1950 and at the very core of that brandon um is when a person considers that, obviously they've concluded that they're of no value. Mm. And that's the number one enemy that trauma really inflicts upon a person is a person feels guilt and shame, which is at the lowest level of consciousness. And right at that lowest level, then suicide ideation, you know, enters in and then people make that decision, which to me is so sad. And I'd love to see that number reverse. Like instead of it continuing to increase, I'd like to see it go the other way and and to make a dent and and to you know 
give hope to so many people. And to me, that's the, you know, the ultimate end game is to just stop the unnecessary loss of wonderful lives. Cause everybody, you know, is born with this tremendous gift within them to have purpose and meaning. And so many are being lost due to, you know, the fact that we can't solve this problem, but it is solvable. And that's the part that excites me the most. So it's really cool. If I can just jump in is, is everything Ernie's doing dovetails really beautifully with DBT work that we do at PT. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying now about people who are contemplating suicide. When you look at the assumptions in DBT and the assumption that people who decide they want to end their own life, it, it talks about the amount of suffering and how miserable their life is in this moment, that that feels like the better option. So when you listen to what Ernie's saying and you listen to all the stuff that he talks about, it really was a perfect match to do it, you know, to work with the DBT that we use here. Mm. Um, so I, I love that aspect. The other thing I'll share with you, you know, Ernie talked about it being a gift to be able to talk to people and his bigger vision of being able to help 10 million leaders. I will tell you that if you have the, the you know, Ernie and I talk quite a bit. If you have the privilege or a luxury to sit next to him on an airplane for a long flight, you're getting your life mapped on without knowing it. <laughs> and you're being trauma empowered because what happens inevitably, and he shared this story, I'm sure you don't mind me sharing it, Ernie, is um, people will say to him, also, what do you do? And he'll talk about it. And as he talks a little bit about it, they're like, oh, because I went through and that opens the gate. And five hours later, the person's tearful. And Ernie, thank you so much for all you've done. You, you've helped me tremendously in this flight, whereas I otherwise would have been reading a book or, or on my computer playing games. This is the most beneficial, useful flight that I've ever had because you've released me, you've saved my life. So the work he does, I mean, he, he's humble about it, but every life he touches, he touches in a very meaningful way, as long as people are open and and he doesn't promote it, they gravitate towards him because of his natural gift. So it's, it's really pretty amazing to see. So one of the other things that makes us as PT really rife for this work is the number of folks that we serve that have significant and serious trauma in their lives but one of the things that we need to do, I shared an analogy with Ernie that I want to share on this podcast, because our cultures, our communities, you know, we believe in help and healing through community. Sometimes our communities have some issues within them that that have some toxicity. So I, I shared the the image of imagine going and getting a goldfish and putting him in a bowl, and you don't you don't change the water, you don't filter the water. You just feed the fish and walk out the door the next day, you feed the fish and walk out. And before long, the fishbowl is toxic, right? It's all full of chemicals. The pH is off. The fecal matter and everything is just horribly, you know, rancid at the bottom of that bowl. And that fish begins to struggle to breathe and live and thrive. Now, if you scoop that fish out of that bowl and you throw them into a pristine tank that's being filtered with regular feedings, clear, crisp water, that that fish, what's going to happen to them, Brandon? It's going to thrive. It's going to be great. It's going to grow. Absolutely. Now imagine once he's thriving and doing really well, you scoop him back up and you put him back into that dirty fishbowl. It's going to die. Absolutely. So what we do, and this is where you know our communities need to, to think about this, is when they come in to work with their therapists and they come in to do their, their life map or their trauma empowerment work, that's an amazing gift. That's putting them in that moment, in that pristine tank. What we can't do is we can't take them out of that tank and put it back in a toxic culture. So one of the things that we're working on, in addition to working individually with folks on their trauma empowerment, is we're working to get our communities, our programs, 
as pristine and clean and crisp as we can so that when they leave Ernie's office or my office or Sarah's office or any clinician's office, they're going to thrive back in their natural environment, back in their community, because their community is clean, crisp, and ready to accept them and providing an environment environment for growth and and wellness. So I just want to leave with that thought that, you know, it's, it's not just doing the trauma empowerment, but if we're truly hoping and healing and doing that work through community, our communities need to be at, you know, the top of their game. So that's some of the work we're doing behind the scenes in addition to the wonderful work Ernie's doing individually with folks. Well, Ernie and Andy, it was a legitimate honor to speak with both of you today. Uh, I almost feel like it was in my own internal therapy speaking with both of you. So I really do appreciate it. Um, do you have any last words for anybody that's listening right now? So for the staff that are listening, I'm just going to say, and Ernie, forgive me if you're not ready for this, but um, Ernie's ready and willing and able to receive their calls. He's here to work with us as well as our members. So Brandon, for you, you mentioned some things today. Ernie's available, and I, I encourage you guys to to take advantage. He's got so much to offer, and you guys will definitely benefit from his his guidance. Awesome. I think the thing I would say, Brandon, is I just want to, in advance, you know, uh, encourage everybody that they're on a journey. And this whole trauma empowerment piece is about a quest. So when we're sitting down with somebody, it's about a quest to discover how we can help them reach their full potential. And everybody's story is significant and important, and it's part of their preparation for fulfilling their purpose. And we're here to serve that. And so if there's anything we can do to encourage them, to help them on that journey, then by all means, don't hesitate to contact Andy, myself, or Sarah, or any other leadership team, because uh, we we value them and we appreciate that they're here uh, for this most important cause of PT, which is to bring hope, healing, and community. And so if there's anything we can do, then don't hesitate and don't be shy. Please reach out because we're here to serve. I really appreciate the both of you coming by and letting me speak with both of you for the better part of an hour. It was really great. Uh, I'm feeling refreshed. I know uh, you guys are always feeling refreshed. So it was just good vibes all around. So for everybody that's listening right now, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you all next time.